Morning, everybody. Three minutes past six, Sunday morning, Father's Day. I'm trying not to dwell too much on Father's Day because I think it's an Americanism that's crept over here and I'm not not in favour of it. Uh, We lose to Italy in the World Cup. I predicted 2-1. I predicted 2-1 to Italy. But but in the World Cup, if you don't follow football, and I don't, it's complicated. I thought we'd be out. No, we have one more game to go and if we lose that one, then we're out. Um, The first person to exit Big Brother... House, boring and blonde, Tamara. God, what a dullard, what a dullard. I'd have got rid of uh, the Wayne Rooney uh, bloke, woman, uh, which will be a lot easier, sorry. Very foul-mouthed, and I've never heard people with such bad language. Uh, also on Big Brother, Danny on there, her TV lies, pretending to be Catholic and uh, all that kind of malarkey. Turns out she's, uh, she's a big fibber, I'm afraid. Oh, the Beckhams are pictured back in town, otherwise known as the Glums. Why do they look so miserable? How can you possibly look so miserable all the time? You know, could they not get... I mean, is there ever a time when she says to him, let's go out and smile today? <laughs> That'd make it nice, wouldn't it? Just, you know, if you're walking down the street and the photographer jumps in front of you, or in their case, travels with them, then you would think that they'd be happy. No, both as miserable as sin. Honestly, perhaps they've run out of things to talk about. Perhaps they don't talk about anything anymore. Perhaps she's just said to him, I really don't like you. <laughs> and he said to her, will you smile more? That's all we want, just smile, please. We know you can do it. I've got pictures of, of Vic smiling. Uh, the BBC spent £48,000 on a sofa and a, and a part of a set. It's, it's another dreadful waste of your money. Uh, all your texts and tweets today, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And just as well that, I'm, that I sort of uh, managed to pick up two magazines, new and closer. I mean, they, 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 uh, there's an awful lot of dross out there, I'm afraid, in, in the magazine department. I, I trawl through the news agents and go, which one shall I read on the train? And you read it, and it's just rubbish. It's just pants. They're either made-up interviews or they're cobbled together from something else. Because there's so many of these trashy little magazines out there. But we seem to love it. The Americans love them, and so consequently, I love them as well. So we've got those because we've got no copy of The Mirror or no copy of The People. Now, I'm not one for complaining. Well, I am. Especially on a Sunday morning when it says, and I pick up my papers and it says, oh, what was that? And it says, uh, full set of papers. And you go, no, it's not a full set of papers. And you'd think they'd realise when they come in. I didn't even get the colour supplements. Very unhappy bunny. Very, very unhappy bunny. You'd think, you know, you could actually get something, wouldn't you, that would sort of be, that'd be fairly good. But I didn't, I didn't get anything at all. And I, I really wanted the people in the mirror. Because the last time this happened, where the papers were, were held up, it turns out that that was the night that Diana dies, because they were all running late. So we've got everything else. We just don't have the mirror and the people. But I'm sure somebody listening down there will rush a copy over to us, being nice people that they are. I did get my copy of The, uh, the Sun Sunday, so Stig will be happy. Uh, they've got Mick's private dancer on the front page. This is Mick Jagger. This is a girl, apparently, that he met. She's a, a ballet dancer. They say she's a stunning American ballet dancer. They always say that, don't they? They always go, stunning ballet dancer. You look at a picture of her and she just looks quite ordinary as ballet dancers go home. And I do know ballet dancer. And she's 27. Her name is uh, Melanie Hamrick. And apparently, this one, he knew apparently a few weeks before Lorenz Scott committed suicide. Slight worry. Slight worry. Uh, what else do we have the other day? I was watching, oh, I was watching Big Brother. Oh, God, what a bunch of ugly, horrible people. Horrible inside, horrible outside. Some some peculiar boy from Essex who apparently has been to Sugar Hut, which, of course, gives you a rough idea what level of intelligence we're talking here. He's trying to date this um, this Tamara who was kicked out. If you, if you don't follow Big Brother, you will not understand any of this conversation. So I'll try and make it as easy as possible for you. This is where they have uh, a pretend house in Elstree and they put a lot of deadbeats 
and hookers in there. And uh, and generally some gay guys seems a bit of a waste of time because they're always they're always a bit all by themselves because nobody hangs around with them at all. And this time we've got a gay Liverpudlian window dresser. I mean, you couldn't get anything more gay if he skipped through a field wearing paisley shorts, licking a lollipop. And so he's there. You've got the Essex boy, who sort of he quite clearly wants to spend a lot of time with his shirt on because when he puts his sh- with his shirt off, when he puts his shirt on, it doesn't really fit him. But that's the same with a lot of Essex men. They can't quite fit the shirts properly. They don't like to buy things in their size. So he then tried to hook up with Tamara. You know, they're on a television programme. He's obviously so hard up, he can't afford to get his teeth done, which is a slight worry. Um, and he's a, he's a bit boring, actually. In fact, he's very boring. She was even more dull, because the British public decided they wanted her out straight away. Whereas I'd have kicked out the Wayne Rooney girl. The, the, the woman who um, alleged three in a bed with Wayne Rooney, and I felt physically ill even thinking about it, is the most foul-mouthed woman you'll ever hear. I mean, she really... On, sober, she's vile. On drink, she must be even worse. So I watch Big Brother, and there they all are. There's um, a woman in there called P. She's a, a black woman, and she's about, I don't know, 50, 40, 50, probably 50-something. 50 well, I've never known a woman like it. I've never known anybody with so much aggression and hatred. She really has. There's some woman sitting down trying to talk. And this, this woman, P, or whatever her name is, talks all over her. She was really... And I was thinking at the end, I think the public are going to get rid of you. You're just not very pleasant. You're really not very pleasant. You've got the, the Wayne Rooney creature. You've got a couple of other people who are totally nondescript. And so I sat there, and I watched it, and then they interviewed Tamara's mother. Oh, nobody knows what my daughter's like. I thought, of course we know what she's like. We've seen her on the programme. We've seen all these programmes for reality shows. It turns out they've all been around the block about five times, and they're very, very boring. They're so boring, you know, if the whole thing imploded, we wouldn't be at all surprised or care. So uh, who's going to be voted out next week? Nobody cares. Really, nobody, nobody cares at all. So I watched that, and I didn't watch the football. Luckily, I'd gone to sleep before that even started, because I think it was about 11 o'clock. I did wake up to see uh, Gary Juggier's Lineker. Otherwise, I think they've stuck crisps on the side of his head. Uh, He was there sort of droning on about the foot. To whom? I've got no idea. I really have no idea. The majority of people don't watch football in this country. The majority of people aren't remotely interested. There's a few Neanderthals over there, you know, with with the tattoos, pint of beer. What? England. They've got their England shirts on. They've got their flags. All they just want to do is get drunk and shout at the television. So you can do roughly the same over here. Then I watched a programme about Gibraltar, and that looked like to all the rejects who couldn't make it to the football. A lot of fat, bloated men and women on Gibraltar, because it's a little bit of England. I thought, it's a little bit of England if you're a chav. Looked ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. And then, uh, what else did I watch? That was about it over the weekend. I don't think I watched anything else. It seems it, it was enough, obviously, to, uh, to get me going. And then I was slightly disturbed last week when I looked at all the pictures of the paper of William Schoolboy, deep adoration in his eyes with Angelina Jolie. And it was almost like it was, I just, there was something very uncomfortable about it. You know, I'm sure what she's doing is absolutely wonderful. I'm sure it's absolutely... What in God's name she's doing over here with it, I've got no idea. Perhaps the Americans are bored with it already. And so she comes over here, and uh, obviously you can see by the way that that uh, Haig and everybody else is uh, is cozying up to this uh, this couple. I mean, you've never seen like it. It was sick-making. It really was sick-making. And the next minute they announce Angelina Jolie's been given a damehood. What? A damehood? I mean... Can they not find somebody? I mean, one person in there, a celebrity. This is his third. He's had a third thing. I know Maggie Smith got something. That's OK, because I don't mind Maggie Smith having anything, because she's a bit of a treasure. Angelina Jolie. 
I'm really not interested. And, of course, it doesn't mean anything, does it, when they hand them out to overseas people. But it really was, hey, go, oh, I think, well, should we give her a damehood? Why don't we just give her a CBE or something? What she's doing has got nothing to do with us at all. But it's sort of, she's a campaigner. Well, there's loads of other campaigners, there's loads of other people out there. I think it's about time, as Sam Pitt has said, we just drop these awards. Because they say anybody can nominate anybody. Did you know that? I can, I can write to the Prime Minister's office and say, I'd like to nominate uh, Padraig because he's been... Uh, well, I'm nominating his, and his mammy's nominating him as well and the rest of the family. And, then, and they then look at it and they go, yeah, yeah, well, you can nominate me as well. We can, sort of, we can dual nominate. And then, then they, they decide on the basis of that, you know, do they give you an award? So you can nominate people. You could say, you know, Padraig for services to legs or something like that because he's got his legs out this morning. I said to him the other day, I said, everybody else is wearing shorts. I'm not wearing shorts. I don't wear shorts. I'm way too old to be wearing shorts. And he's wearing shorts today and he said, look, and pink. Now, my first thought was he's washed them with a red T-shirt because that's generally because I actually ended up with a lot of pink underwear at one point, which is great. You know, nobody ever saw it. And in the end, you then I think I threw them away. But I've since discovered you can buy something, you drop in the washing machine, and it takes the colour out of something. So, but I think he did buy pink shorts. I'm pretty certain he did specifically bought pink shorts. There was no doubt in his mind he wanted pink shorts. So, but, so you nominate somebody, and then they get an award. But to Angelina Jolie, I mean, so we had to put up with her fizzog on the papers during this week. And I'm looking at it thinking, in fact, it never crossed my mind that they were thinking about a damehood. It kind of takes it a bit too far. The other one... It's going to sound really awful, this, because I feel a bit guilty about it. Because deep in my heart of hearts, I was a big fan of Stephen Sutton. This was the young man who died of terminal cancer, but he raised nearly £4 million for charity. And so they've given him an MBE. And I can't help but feel, and it's probably not going to be terribly popular, what's the point of giving it to somebody who's not alive? Couldn't they have given it to him while, you know, while he was alive? Or at least said to him, we're going to give you an MBE. We're going to... We're going to give you an MBE, as opposed to giving it to him after he's dead. I didn't quite see what, what the point of that was. I think they must sit there in the office, open up a bottle of Enver cream or cheap cooking sherry and go, uh, who should we give? I know, Stephen Sutton raised the profile. He raised a lot of money. Everybody loved him. It's given an award. Why not give it to him while he was alive? Could they not, do they not have provision for that? Surely his name must have come up in conversation. But, uh, yes. Oh, did they tell him? Oh, right, just use the word awesome. But I don't quite understand. What's the point of giving it to somebody who's not here anymore? Give it, to, give it to a living person. He actually had all his adoration while he was alive. Bless his heart. Nearly £4 million. That was, some, that was something, wasn't it? We, we found um, a 13-year-old boy during the week, and he started raising money for breast cancer. And he got as far as 12000 bless him. And then he succumbed to a brain tumour, which they weren't aware of. That, sorry, that I thought was really, really sad. You know, at 13... Stephen, you know, got loads of things. He had his, his wish list. This kid didn't even get as far as a wish list. He literally, it was, a, it was five days after he was diagnosed. They went, we can't do anything. They can't do anything about it. But he raised £12,000. He'd only had a few hundred in there. And then you, the great British public, because you're good at things like that, you thought, let's, let's boost it up a bit. So you probably find it's even gone past 20 grand by now. But it's something, isn't it? Isn't it terrible that, you know, people have to raise money? Because And yet, I think we're one of the most generous countries in the world. I think we're so good at giving. So, so good at giving. I did laugh, though, the other week. There was a picture of this top restaurant in town called the Fire Station. or what, I can't remember what it's called. It's something, the Conservatory or... it's That's right, the Firehouse. Chilton Firehouse. And it's, it's terribly posh and all the rest of it. And it's a load of celebrities who trot in there. Most of whom, I mean, and they said... And Cheryl Cole came in. And I went, well, there's no point in taking to a restaurant... 
she'll be expecting all her food to come in a polystyrene box. You know, I mean, she won't be expecting... And knives and forks, she'll be going, wait, eh, what these? What these? It's knives and forks, dear. No, no, no. She'll be interested in something that comes either in newspaper or it'll be deep fried or it comes in a polystyrene box with the chips on one side and the kebab meat on the other. She won't have eaten in a restaurant before. What's the point of taking her out there? She's from Newcastle. Quarter past six. Morning, everybody. 17 minutes uh, past six. Nice to have you company this Sunday morning. It's Father's Day. I'm promising not to do that. I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm not in favour of Father's Day, Mother's Day, Grandmother's Day, Grandparents' Day, gay babies against whales and things like that. You know, I'm not interested in these kind of things. It's just an excuse to sell lots of overpriced cards. And who else is it going to be from? I don't quite understand, you know, so your father's sitting at home and you go and give him a card and he goes, oh, a card. And you go, well, you're bright. And so you open up the card and they go, oh, look, it's from my son, as opposed to the next door neighbour. <laughs> uh, the whole government conference with Pitt and Jolie was a ridiculous media stunt, says Dan. Yes, I'd, I didn't think about it like that, to be honest with you. I just thought it's, it's Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. I didn't, didn't actually think anything about it. I certainly never thought she was going to be giving a damehood. Quite understand why that was there. Didn't uh, didn't get that bit or see that coming at all. Uh, Peter says the in conversation was hilarious. The stories and the way they're told. I know they're good, aren't they? I know. Sometimes we get we get the most out of people. I think sometimes when people come in and I've said to the guests before, and they say, um, "How long is this?" They always know how long it is because we've already discussed it with their agents. And you go half an hour, and they go. Wow, what are we going to talk about? And the producer always says, depending on who it is, doesn't matter if it's for Drake or if it's uh, Will Gavin or Lucy or anybody else at all, they always go, it'll go by really quickly. And they go, do you think so? So when we did the conversations this week, they went really fast. And we said to them, see, we're halfway through already. And they went, it is fast, isn't it? Because you suddenly realise it's only two little little 12-minute bands. Incidentally, that programme is repeated tonight at nine o'clock on LBC. I'm sandwiched in between as I as I like to say. Uh, Clive Bull, who took that picture of me this week, which upset me greatly. And, um, and Duncan Barks. So that's on... Uh, so that's, uh, that's all done and dusted. Uh, 8 for 850. Oh. Janet says... Uh, Dawn French says she didn't know what being in a coma was like. I do. I was in a coma for three months at the age of 10, 55 years ago. It's haunted me ever since. There you go. So, I mean, how do you, but how do you, if you're in a coma, how do you remember anything? There isn't anything to remember, is there, apart from you wake up and they went, oh, you've come back. And you go, yeah, where have I been? And they go, well, you've been out for three months or whatever it happens to be. It depends what sort of coma it is, doesn't it? Is it an induced coma where they put you into a coma to hopefully settle your, your body down? Or is it something, you know, if you've fallen somewhere and uh, like, like the Michael... Schumacher, that that would be that's an induced coma, isn't it? Where they've deliberately put him into a, into a deep sleep. Hopefully, uh, they can then sort of wake him up. But at the moment, it's I don't think it's happening at the moment, is it? I don't think it's happening at all. Uh, this is one. Oh, little Noreen, who says, "Please say good luck to Pordy and happy birthday to Janice from her friends." Yes, he, he got the card. He's very excited, very excited, because it's yes. He, he said he'll tweet later. He's good like that, because uh, this is his last Sunday show. He's here, he's here next week, but it's his last Sunday show. Frankly, I can't wait for him to leave. He's been a pain, really, ever since. Last show with me. Yes, in fact, this is the last show with me, isn't it? God. He's only been here a year already. He's aged ten years. So he's, he goes home and his mother goes, who are you? She, oh, well, I was your son. He's also currently working his way through the biggest bag of M&Ms that you've ever seen in your entire life. Did you send a card home? Have you sent a card home to tell your mammy that... Yeah, to your dad. You sent a card home. Good. 
Yes, because sometimes people forget, don't they? And if you're away from home, it's easier. Well, I can't stand this bloke on the television. <laughs> I was watching a guy the other day. He's a, he's a film critic. His name's Mark Commode. And he's so boring. He's so boring. Every time I see him on the television, he, uh, he he tends not to sort of look at the presenter he's working with. He comes over as a bit superior. He seems to, He knows what he's talking about. It's just that he's got the word boring and dull stamped over him. <laughs> Every time I see him on the television, I keep thinking, I must remember to mention this guy on the programme. It's not that I'm bitter and twisted in any way, shape or form. I mean, I'm, I'm quite good at things like that. It's just that I think it's like, it's like sports presenters. They're terribly boring. They've got nothing to talk about apart from football. You can imagine sitting down, you know, eating nachos. I mean, you, you might as well just sort of bury your head in the plate and have done with it. Uh, one here. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. What was I, I was going to mention this one very quickly. Uh, Peter in Gidea Park says, The award to Angelina Jolie was for services to William Hague for raising his profile. Have you noticed that all of a sudden he's everywhere? He seems to have just jumped into everybody's back. He's so dull. Every time I turn on the television, there's William Hague again with his funny, nasally little voice. You know, you imagine a conversation on the radio between William Hague and David Beckham would be the most hilarious thing ever. But every time, there he is again. Have you got a comment? Yes, here's William Hague. Oh, sorry, I've just turned on the kitchen. Here's William Hague. I've just put the cat out. Here's William Hague again. Every time it's William... I'm so bored with it. We see more of him than we do of the Prime Minister. Which means it's very, very, very dull. Very, very dull. Other pictures in the, uh, in the papers today are of... Um, they're still trying to go for the, the support... For the England football team, which must be waning a little bit, I should imagine. A little tiny bit. And uh, here it is. Savvy Helen Wood is hiding her scandalous past as Wayne Rooney's lover from her big brother rivals. Of course she is, because if she mentions it, the lawyers will be down on her like a ton of bricks. I could have told you that before. She's not allowed to talk about it. Channel 5 would be in breach of any agreement with, uh, with Ofcom. And uh, there would be serious trouble, serious implications if she talks about who she is. And that's why she, um, she's got a foul mouth on her, because she's an old brass from ages ago. And, um, and so nobody's been told what she is. It goes to prove that they're quite clearly a bit dim in there, because nobody's real. I'd have known who she was straight away. Not. Uh, because she is nobody interesting. But she's had to keep it quiet. So contrary to what they always tell you, when they go into Big Brother, they go, oh, she'll be spilling the beans about this. No, she won't. For legal reasons, she won't be. Far too dangerous. And here's uh, little Tamara Stewart-Wood. They say she's gorgeous. Obviously, the public didn't think so. They kicked her out very quickly. And uh, she's admitted she's gagging to bed the dim Essex boy. Oh, he's not that difficult, love. He's been to Sugar Hut, so, you know, any old thing in high heels will do. And uh, you turned out to be the any old thing. Do not mistake the fact that you're in the paper, Tamara, for the fact that you're important. You're really not important. You are a loser. You were kicked out first. The public hated you. They didn't like you, anything you did, so we're not remotely interested in your stupid ramblings about who you're going to bed as if anybody was remotely interested in these things. I just don't understand why these... It's, there was a picture in one of the papers of Helen... Oh, no, it's not. It's Michelle Keegan. And she's revealed... Now, now that she's left Coronation Street and works a bit thin on the ground, she can only get sort of like, you know, hedge cutters weekly or sort of, you know, creosote times and things like that. She's now said she's prepared to strip off for saucy sex scenes for the right script. Wow. Yeah. Well, don't hold your breath, love. Don't hold your breath. I mean, you've already taken all your clothes off a few times. Nobody's really that interested. It's still, it's just a little game, I suppose. And uh, she set her sights on a role in Game of Thrones. She's auditioning for new parts. I know, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you know, so well, you have to stand there, OK, and then you go, McDonald's cola? 
Okay. Large fries. Would you like tomato ketchup with that? That's, I'm just, just giving you a head start, Michelle, just in case you sort of were under some illusion that there was going to be lots of acting work. I gave the same advice to Helen Flanagan. I said to her, it, it'd be a lot easier if you start from, from base zero, because the, the acting work just isn't going to be flooding in, I'm afraid. Once you've left somewhere, like Coronation Street, where you get loads of publicity, and, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll get a few little things when you go out with a photographer on the town, and, uh, and you open up a chip bar or something like that, but the, there's, there's not going to be anything else. That's it. It's, it's completely finished now. You better get yourself a reality show as quick as possible. I did see, I don't know if anybody else saw this programme on the television, um, which was Brian McFadden is doing a programme. Have you seen it? Oh, it's the most awful program ever. Apart from that, the poor old Brian McFadden, who was married to Kerry Coctona, he can't actually present. That's that's the big problem. And it's another one of these programmes where they find a lot of desperate wannabes. And it's a bit like Paddy McGuinness's Take Me Out programme. It doesn't seem to have moved up from that at all. So I was slightly disturbed to see little clips of it. However, Britain's Got Talent champions, Calabro, fear that they will be chart flops, despite storming to victory on the talent show. Well, I said, and I said the moment they were announced as winners, I said, yeah, that's fine. But let's see what album you've recorded. I'm assuming there's going to be a Christmas album because that would be the next market to hit. And so they'll have to go out and we'll have them all posing in the, in the same suits. Uh, then you hope that there isn't any scandal connected to any of them. And come Christmas, uh, the boys will be doing the rounds. But with there being five of them, it's a bit difficult to book them in for interviews because you've got to find studios big enough that can put five people on. And it, it, re- it really is as difficult as that. You know, we have in this studio, one, two, three, we do have five spare microphones. So I suppose in theory you could put... But you can't do an interview with five people because if you're listening on the radio, you've got no idea. So they would have to put them on. So they'll, they'll probably end up doing... What's that programme that's dying on its uh, proverbial... Oh, yeah, um, Daybreak or Britain's Britain's Early Morning something. Well, that's Susanna, what's-her-face. Um, disappeared now. <laughs> disappeared completely, I'm afraid. So that's what they have to worry about. They have to worry about whether or not the public are still going to be with them in a few months' time, whether or not the public are going to buy the album. If the public don't buy the album, Psycho will not take them any further. That's how they operate. They're in the business of selling albums. If a group doesn't sell albums, why would you waste money? Why would you waste money? Uh, 84850... Uh, I was in an induced coma uh, in 1988 for 16 days. My husband was in a coma for 86 days. We both have memories of the experience with my husband. Every time I left his bedside, his pulse, heart rate and other observations went haywire. Good Lord. I mean, what are you? Are you the coma family or something? Is that what you're called? The coma family? Uh, Jack says, I read he received a letter from the palace and accepted the honour before he died. Oh, well, that was good. Oh, well, that was good. That's fine, then. I still can't understand why you'd want to give it to somebody who's dead. It's a bit, of, a bit of a point to say. The Angela Jolie thing, if I live to be 104, I shall never understand why we give it to people. There must be loads of people who qualify for these awards. But then you look at some of them and you think, who is, the, who is this person? Why have they handed them out? I don't know. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Glenn says, running through a field wearing paisley shorts, licking a lollipop. That made me laugh so much I've woken the wife up. Now I've got to make her coffee. <laughs> I thought Flanagan was fun in Corrie, bring her back. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's an acting gig, isn't it? That's the problem. You've suddenly discovered. Uh, Brian McFadden is a great presenter. Uh, not in this life. <laughs> uh, 84850, uk. Where was the Euromillions one? Wasn't in the UK, says Jan. Did somebody win it? Did it say Twickenham on there? 
Did it say Twickenham for the for the winning? Be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. I don't mind. Kavanagh is in the papers. Kavanagh is a, a failed pop star from years ago uh, who's aged very badly. And unfortunately, he was uh, boozed up. He appeared drunk on a train, slurred his speech and attempted to hide an empty vodka bottle under his seat. His name's Anthony Kavanagh, so they've just sort of just taken the surname. And he's touring uh, the big reunion Returning to London alone from a gig at a music festival in Chester where he performed with the fivesome when an incident took place. An onlooker told the former chart star made one woman who he didn't know burst into tears after he allegedly stroked her arm. A little waste of time with Kavanagh, isn't it? As he's then just come out as gay. So uh, there he goes again. Mind you, nice to actually get a bit of bit of bad publicity, I'm afraid. There isn't a, there isn't a lot going on, is there, in, in Kavanagh's life? We've had quite a number of, uh, quite a number of disasters. Uh, coming up. Are Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin really consciously uncoupled, as apparently they're still living together and attending marriage counselling? Mind you, I hear tale that Jordan is still sharing the married bed with Kieran. Obviously weaker than we thought. LBC News Time, 6.30. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to uh, the programme. It's, sun- it's not going to be sunny today. It's going to be overcast, but a bit sort of humidy. I don't do humidity. About 19 degrees, I think, which is, uh, which is, but, but no sunshine, so it's going to be overcast. Uh, that's OK later on. I don't, the sunshine the other day was almost unbearable for me. It really was. I, I don't, I don't cope well, I'm afraid, in the, in the heat. And especially when it's close, you think, it's just not nice. I see there's a lovely little piece today in the, in the Daily Star about uh, ex Tawit. They call her a babe, Sam Fahirs, although if you saw her without makeup on, you'd be hard pushed to describe her as anything in the real world. And uh, she's vowed she'll never get back with on-off boyfriend Joey Essex if they break up this time. In other words, it, it's kind of imminent. Apparently there was a bit of an argument the other day, uh, which cropped up in all the magazines. And uh, she says it could be three strikes and Joey's out. Well, he can find loads of people, but of course the only reason he's with you is because he looks on you as a mother figure, I think. I think that's the only reason. She says uh, we're happy, love each other, and are currently house hunting in Essex. Mm. until the work dries up, and it can't be that far away for her. She said, it's the third time we've got back together, and it's our last shot at things. We both deserve to be happy. Have you ever heard such twaddle? I mean, I don't, how old is she? Five, six years old? She says, I can't keep going round in circles, so we knew we had to make a proper go. Leaving the door open to a possible Towie comeback, she said, a cameo here and there wouldn't hurt. No, it would hurt us, though, so best you stay away from it. Try and find something else to do with your life. She's launched some, um, some toilet duck. Sorry, perfume. Uh, she's brought some, uh, brought some perfume out called uh, La Bella. And uh, I'm sure it's absolutely marvellous if you like that kind of thing, because there are lots of sort of tacky celebrity perfumes and it appeals to the lower end of the market. 99% of you ladies listening at the moment wouldn't dream of buying this kind of rubbish. You'd be out there buying, you know, Dior, Diorissimo. You'd be buying all the, all the proper things, not anything from Sam Fahirs. I mean, let's face it, hardly rolls off the tongue, does it? Sam Fahirs has brought out a perfume. Oh, really? What, she's trodden the grapes herself? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Uh, We're driven up the pole. Apparently a pole dancer's raunchy routine on Britain's Got Talent has triggered a nationwide boom in uh, in fat girls dancing around poles. I don't know why. Is this chubby chasers? Emma, who is uh, Emma Haslam, has spurred on women of all shapes and sizes to swing around and get fit. Well, it better be a pretty sturdy pole. I wouldn't try it on any of the scaffolding around London. I mean, if you're one of those hefty hideaway people, don't start jumping around poles. It's ridiculous. But anyway, she apparently runs the North Wales Pole and Aerial Arts Academy and said all the 20 pole dancing classes are sold out. Imagine, well, it is Wales, isn't it? 
I mean, imagine the pole dancing class has sold out. That's, that's some achievement. Oh, Sam Kelly died. Sam Kelly, the actor from uh, A Lower Low. You're known from loads and loads of things. Uh, the funny thing was, well, not really the funny thing, but his agent said something rather odd. He didn't have any family, so there's nobody to mourn his passing, apart from his actor friends, who he looked on as his family. That was what, uh, that was what they, <coughs> excuse me, they actually said, that they were his, his family acting friends. So uh, he was 70, apparently had been ill for a little while. Nice, though. Nice man. I always thought he was very funny. He had one of those comedic little faces, and I thought that was, that was nice, bless his heart. So I, I miss him now. Of course, it's only when, when somebody goes that you suddenly realise that they were actually really, really good actors. So uh, he's passed on. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning is the story of Big Brother Danny's TV Lies. This is a girl who claims to be um, a Catholic girl, a good Catholic girl, and uh, she doesn't do anything at all like that. She's horrified by these people discussing sex. Whereas, in fact, if you check her website out, she's quite clearly the world's biggest liar. I mean, how she ever, with a, with a face as plain as that, ever became anything to do with the glamour world, I've got no idea. But they seem to pick the uglies. Have you noticed? The glamour world now is not full of glamorous people. You know, glamorous people don't do this kind of modelling. This is for tacky, end-of-the-peer people who can't do anything else. They don't have any more intelligence. So they think if they actually sort of get their kit off, then it will do it. So a friend of hers has sold her down the river, which I thought was quite funny, actually. I, I always quite laugh at these sort of things, because the moment you go on telly, somebody's going to go there and say... And you, and you look at her, and she's very, very plain. She could probably manage to do some of those babe station programmes, and that would be probably pushing it a little bit. Her ex-pal says she's a hypocrite. Um, she says uh, she's not even a churchgoer. She's an opponent of gay marriage. And yet uh, her friend Emma says she wanted a gay fling with me. She's quite clear. She's somebody who's a bit desperate. She's a bit lonely. And she needs to try and make her mark on the world. But when you don't have looks or intelligence, there's not, there's not really very much chance you're going to go any further than the Daily Star. And they'll, they'll forever call you a babe. And they'll, they'll sort of big you up. She has no fella. Uh, sorry, she has a fella. And she's no... Oh, Jen. Because that's what she's made big play of in the Big Brother house. That's why I say that these people... I don't know whether they trawl adverts in loot or something like that to try and find them. Um, on, on television, she says, I'm, I'm a good Catholic, anti-contraception. But her friend says she doesn't, she doesn't go to church at all. Well, you don't have to go to church to be, a, to be a religious person. You know, I can be Christian. I don't have to go and sit in a church with a load of other people and do it privately. In fact, we used to have somebody phone LBC all the time. We used to claim that she was the most religious person. It never seemed to go to church at all. So it doesn't make any difference, I don't think. But anyway, she's, um, she actually calls herself a glamour model. It's funny this, isn't it? When they look in the mirror, do they, they don't really see that they're glamorous, do they? It's funny, we were talking about the Chawners the other day, that hugely overweight family with no talent, who turned up on the television, and then the two daughters turned up and started a fistfight. Oh, sorry, on Britain's Got Talent. And, um, and they, they sort of turned up there. Anyway, uh, Emma Chawner has apparently put on even more weight because of internet trolls. People have told her she's fat, so she's carried on eating. don't quite understand how that works, but she's there, uh, which is good. Let's have a listen here. Um, <laughs> Kay Burley says, I, I think you should do Big Brother. You'd be so popular. Do you know, I'm so lucky I don't need the money. I'm so lucky. I've got £109 million in the bank from last night. Bought the ticket in Brussels. And uh, I thought, just let people believe I want it over there. So £109 million in the bank. Why would you ever want to go on television and have the cameras watching you and have to have fake relationships? Although I did think about it. Funny you should mention it. I did think about it, thinking I could go on there and I could be brilliantly two-faced. Hi, you look really great. Don't, don't let the other people upset you. I'm your best friend in here. And then every time they go out the room, go, they're so ugly. 
That could be great, couldn't it? And then at the end, when I get... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> dust. Um, when, when I get voted off, they can then show all the little clips of me standing there going, they are so ugly, these people, and so thick. Hi, you look really good. God, no, don't be upset, please, just because somebody's been horrible to you. Then when they go out the room, you go, they are so sad. You could have a field day, couldn't you? I could, oh, I could do that quite well. My job giving the game away now. They'd have a rough idea that's what I'd be doing. How do you, you look really gorgeous this morning with your badly bleached blonde hair. Did you see the girl they had in? She'd come over from America and she was, she was considered ropey in America. And over here, and every time, because she had all hair extensions and then her own hair started looking so bad that she looked even worse. And you see, I mean, looking at this, this poor creature, Danielle, and you go on her sort of on her website, you realise, I mean, it's just tacky. It's just tacky. That's the best that, the, that these people can get. Kay Burley thinks now, oh no, Stig Abel, says you should both wait for the return of Dancing on Ice. He's very bitter. I don't know why. I don't want to do... Actually, Dancing on Ice has finished, hasn't it? Are they bringing it back one more? Oh, no, 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 no. Torval and Dean have a new show. Torval and Dean teach people on benefits how to ice dance. <sighs> Kind of enough to send you all to sleep, isn't it, really? You know, don't get me wrong, I love Torval and Dean, but it was a long, long time ago, OK? OK, fine, thank you. We know you've done it. Like parachutists in the war. Can we still parachute? No, don't, please, please don't do it. And Torval and Dean go back and they go... And they're going to recreate it. We're so lucky. Yeah, we're so lucky to have Torval and Dean. Of course we are, it's great, but not all the time. And so they're going to go on to one of those sink estates, and they're going to teach people on a sink estate how to dance on ice. How boring. You can't... So, in other words, we've actually tried the celebrity version, in which case you were pretty hard-pushed to work out who some of the celebrities were. I didn't know who a lot of them were. I did look, and I did go, oh, that's... And if I... And I worked out that if it was a woman on there that I didn't know who she was, she was in Hollyoaks. Because Hollyoaks actually... Oh, dear. That's his one suit. That's his... That's his only suit. <laughs> He looks a bit like the Beckhams, doesn't he? Miserable. Sorry, we're just, we're just observing something on the television here. It's a private conversation. And look at that bald spot. It's getting worse, isn't it? Like a Belisha beacon now. Anyway, so uh, where was I? Oh, yes. So if, if any of the girls are on the dancing programme, either on ice or off the ice, they'll be in Hollyoaks, where you have no idea who anybody is at all. They are just totally, you know, you can sort of move them around all over the place and, and they just don't, don't get any better. But I always know that they are from Hollyoaks because if they were really somebody important, I would know who they were. UK forecast for the next five days. Many areas fine and dry, risk of a few showers. Today it's cloudy, scattering of light showers, mainly over southern Scotland. Whee! I bet Scotland's looking beautiful this morning. I bet even Birmingham's looking good this morning and Manchesterford and places like that. Uh, much of the UK, dry day, bright or sunny spells developing, warmest in the sunnier parts of the west. Tonight, few clear spells, cloudier in the far southeast of England and north of Scotland, perhaps with some light rain by dawn. Monday is cloudy, uh, isolated showers. Tuesday to Thursday, predominantly settled weather continues. Further spells of warm sunshine for many and a risk of a few sharp showers. So uh, that's not too bad, is it? I mean, I think that's that's possible. We've had we've had worse. We've had an awful lot better as well. But I think that it's. Uh, it's I don't mind it being like this, as long as it's not close out there. I don't want to be close at all. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, Lenin of Manchester says I could listen to you all day, stalker, and uh, pass you on to the police straight away. I see. They always worry about people, don't they? You, you, you sort of check somebody, and you go. So they go. I could follow you all day, and you think you're not right, are you? It's not all there, I'm afraid, in the head. <laughs> so, so, don't be silly. Of course, you couldn't listen all day. You really couldn't. Uh, another one here says uh, <laughs> Stig Abel. 
uh, sorry, Kay Burley at LBC at Stick It. Talking Blair with you two is like to be more fun than watching Mar interview on BBC One. Yes. And then Stick Abel says, we're not asking people to bear, are we? That'll wake everybody up. Are they... Oh, bear... Oh, somebody's made a mistake on their thing. I think it's... Yes, it's bear all... That's a thought, actually. Perhaps we, should, perhaps we should have National Naturist Day on the programme. And we could say, was yesterday the naked cycle? Did you get your cycle out yesterday? Did you, no, you were in bed. Is it naked, not naked cycling in London? Was it? Why did nobody tell me this? I like to get out there and polish my hubcaps. There were thousands of people. Were there really? Good the last time I, I drove in on a Sunday, they had it on a Sunday, and I was, I was parked up. I wasn't parked up. I was sitting at traffic lights at Hyde Park Corner. And I'm sitting there, and I was looking at the sort of the dashboard and everything. I was thinking, I must polish it. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I was aware of cyclists either side of the car. And, and it, it must have... I mean, if it, if it was caught on camera, it would have looked hilarious because they're all stark naked. And so I looked to the right... And then I looked to the left. <laughs> All I got was naked people on bicycles. It was the funniest thing ever. I mean, I tried to suppress a laugh, thinking, this is the oddest situation. Here I am, sitting at traffic lights in London on a Sunday morning with naked people sitting next to me on bicycles. And it wasn't just two or three. It was lots of them. It was lots and lots of naked people. You're doing a selfie. Oh, he's doing a selfie, honestly. Is that you on a bicycle? On a bicycle. Uh, drummer Rigby Victory. They put up uh, a memorial in his uh, honour. The, the petition was only started, I think, uh, last month, gained 20,000 signatories, and it's, uh, it's gone up. And so there it is. And it says, in loving memory of Fusilier Lee James Rigby, who was a son, father, brother, uncle, fiancé, a friend, a comrade, and our hero. Born July 1987, sadly taken from us on the 22nd of May 2013. To the world, he was a soldier. To us, he was the world. 14 minutes to 7. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Sunday morning. It's LBC, and it's just nice to have your company. It really is. Um, another one says here, uh, I'm listening to Steve Allen. Why is he so bitchy? That's not bitchy. That's telling the truth. You must really check it out in the dictionary. I'm just telling the truth. Nothing bitchy about it. Mind you, I mean, with a name like yours, I mean, I can imagine you probably are a little bit bitchy. <laughs> Anyway, leave that to one side, which is very funny. I do like Dan Wooten's column. He's always got his arm around some young man. And uh, today it's two of them, Harry Styles and somebody from America called Austin Mahoney. But I'm more interested in... Uh, he said, it's not often a cricketer makes it onto my pages. Really? That's not what I heard, Dan. Uh, but Stuart Broad is fast becoming the David Beckham of the wicket. Today I reveal the England fast bowler heartthrob has a new lady in his life. Yes, Beely Mitchell... Billy Mitchell is a lingerie model. For that read, glamour. For that read, oh, God. They say she's a rising star of the fashion industry. No, she's not. She's a lingerie model at all. And apparently... He used to have a relationship, I believe, with, uh, with Molly King. And uh, the six-foot-five uncle has also dated actress Casey Barnfield, best known for playing Neil's busty sister in The Inbetweeners. In other words, he's got a PR, but he's not prepared to pay the money to actually get loads of coverage, so he just sends out a press release. But, I mean, I love the idea. Beely Mitchell. What in God's name is that sort of name? Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. But she's a lingerie model. <sighs> really tacky. And uh, there's a glamour model here. Do you remember the one we mentioned last week on the programme? This was the one who skipped a probation meeting to get a boob job. It turns out... According to the, uh, the Sun today, she's a £160 an hour escort. She boasts of extra busty enhanced breasts for all the boob lovers. 
dear. A little bit of a worry, isn't it? Anyway, um, they uh, told you in The Sun the other week, because she's had 100,000 views, customers praising her fantastic body. Just looks a bit sad, doesn't it, really? I always think these people are immensely sad. She had been sentenced to community service for attacking two police and failed to meet probation staff who said she'd not provided a reasonable excuse. She just sort of wandered over to Brussels to go and get her, her boobs enlarged. But, uh, and she didn't want to be tagged at one point, because that would be bad for her job. Because if you see somebody disporting themselves on a cam... You know, the tag is going to be the giveaway, isn't it? It's not the uh, not the best thing. Michael Douglas is talking about the regrets over Catherine Zeta-Jones. I took the person closest to me for granted. That's why it all went pear-shaped, I'm afraid. Talking of pear-shaped, not good news in the chocolate front. I know that many of you are chocoholics, and the firms are sneakily putting smaller bars in multi-packs, meaning shoppers' savings are more meagre. And I'm afraid whispers, twicks, twirls... Flakes and crunches are among the treats shrunken in bulk. Now, they do this. It's like, because you look at something, you think, I'm sure it looked bigger last time round. You remember doing that? You'd, you'd pick up a bar of chocolate or whatever happened to be, and you go, why does it look so small? It's because they're in the multi-packs. In some cases, bars were almost a quarter lighter. Last night, the ruse was blasted by a consumer group. They do it all over the place. They either cut the quality or they cut the size or they cut some of the ingredients. Last night, Cadbury says, we don't accept these packs are misleading. The size of the bars within the multi-plaque is clearly visible. Yeah, they're just not telling you. They're just not telling you. But it's a big company. They can afford to do things like that. They don't care. I mean, flakes that normally weigh 32 grams were under 25.5 grams. Crunchy, 40 grams down to 32 grams. Multi-pack twirls, 34 grams compared to the normal 43 grams. What well, if you're going to put it in a multi-plaque? Why don't you say the thing is smaller? These are smaller, fun-sized or bite-sized. Don't just put it out there because it makes it look as though you're trying to fool the public. But there again, if you eat chocolate, you're probably just as happy to eat chocolate. Well, you couldn't really care what size it is, could you? I shouldn't think. You just eat chocolate as if it comes in a multi-pack. A lot of the multi-packs are sold in places like Iceland. They actually sell a lot of these packs there. So in other words, they say here, uh, Cadbury's goes a step further, making caramel and dairy milk in thinner, squarer shapes for multi-packs, while it shrinks them by six grams. It means shoppers are only saving 26 pence instead of 61 pence when they bulk buy. It's a bit naughty, isn't it, really? They, but they've all done that. They all do that. It's like, it's, you know, you go out and you look at toothpaste and you think, it's like some of these creams they advertise on the television. You know, this is the latest miracle cream. And, uh, and because of the glass jar and the fact it's, it's frosted, you can't see how much is in it. And this applies very much to perfume and to creams that you ladies use, and some gentlemen as well. And so they do actually look at these jars, and they think, if we have it... Sometimes it's like a glass within a glass, and it curves up inside there. It's a bit naughty. It is a bit naughty. Aren't you talking of naughty? I feel sorry for Patrice Benjamin Rangulam. She's got an addiction. She eats what? Bricks. She eats bricks. So far, she's eaten half a tonne in 11 years due to a disorder. Now, I know sometimes, and you, you probably not notice this because you're not as observant as I am, I see pigeons pecking bricks on the wall to get the salt. They want the salt out of it. This woman says bricks are delicious. I dig away the paper and plaster until I reach the crumbly, chalky brickwork. It's the most wonderful snack. She's systematically eating her house. <laughs> Just imagine one day she's going to be sitting there because she'll be doing a come dine with me and the entire wall will collapse, followed by the roof. Her bizarre habit, which has made a one-foot-by-two-foot hole in her bedroom, began when she was 17. She's 28 now. 
She says, a relative joke, she knew somebody who ate brick dust as a child. I began to fantasise over what a wall would taste like. And so, she first tried it, she was hooked. Soon she was getting through six tablespoons of brick a day, sometimes mixing it with bathroom cleaner. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Anyway, she got married to this uh, to this bloke called Calvin last year. She kept her habit a secret until he noticed the hole in the wall. He's bright. And uh, it was getting bigger. She confessed. He got her to see a doctor. And he diagnosed pica, which causes non-food cravings. She comes from South London. Be careful if you live next door to her. You might find your house collapsing. But anyway, she's uh, been prescribed iron pills and has since cut back on the habit. <laughs> Isn't that good? What we used to do as kids, we, we were very naughty. We used to take chalk. That the uh, Because in the early days, it was chalkboards. Hands up those who remember chalk. Thank you. Hands up who had a packet of chalk. Uh, me again. And a chalkboard at home. And you could do coloured chalks and everything else. But we used to put non-safety matches in the end of the chalk. So when the master used to write on the board, the match would burst into flames. <sighs> Seemed funny at the time. Uh, Blackpool is the place to go if you want a boob job. Most people in, in Blackpool have boob jobs. No, well, not most people in Blackpool have boob jobs, but that's where the majority of them are taking uh, taking place. So, oh, look, Helen Flanagan's got a job. That's good. She's doing the real Hell's Kitchen. OK, I admit it, I adore chocolate. Yeah, and so they, they've got some pictures. She's been over-made up here, and she's doing chocolate sauce. Very intelligent. And chocolate cheesecake brioche toasty. Lovely. Really exciting. And, uh, and that's the best of her jobs at the moment. Well, I suppose, you know, better than nothing, isn't it? Why do I not like Jake Humphrey? Do I like Jake Humphrey? I can't remember. He does cars. Bit smug. And, um... Nope, don't like him. <laughs> I fib, of course. I fib, of course. In the papers, apart from Angelina Jolie at her new damehood, which we can't quite work out, it seems that you're not over-keen on it either. And uh, and then the Jagger lover, who's the ballet star, and they met two weeks before Lorenz's sad suicide. Perhaps that's why they were saying the other day, you know, you know what he's like. But then we don't know what his relationship uh, with Lorenz Scott was like at all. Plain cigarette packets have been blocked by Cameron. A health minister said this. This is Tory MP Jane Ellison. She told the Commons earlier this year that there would be draft regulations in place by the end of April. She's now admitted there comes a point as a minister where you can get things ready. Then you basically wait until you're allowed to talk about them. Ask whether this referred to number 10. She laughed and said, I couldn't possibly comment. They don't, they, they fail to understand we pay their wages. You know, when we ask a question of a politician, I'm expecting an answer. If we don't get an answer, I want to know why we're not getting an answer. Dreadful, it really is. I missed the rain the other night. Somebody said it was absolutely, absolutely awful. Here's a picture in the paper. This is a deputy headmaster. And the teenage former pupil whose affair brought scandal to a leading public school have been seen together. Phil Culling, 41, went to an acoustic gig where musician Helena Skelly was performing... And um, and they're an item. Is that okay? She's an ex-pupil. She's not actually a pupil at the moment. Somebody said, I thought he was her dad. And then they kissed. But um, does, it, does it really matter? I, I mean, I'm, I know teachers are not supposed to go out with pupils, but if she's an ex-pupil, that's okay. Isn't it? Is there something that matter about 19 and 41? Are you allowed to have big age gaps? I've, I've spoken to people before about them. And we seem to come to the conclusion, if you fall in love with somebody, you don't really think about the difference in age. I never ask somebody's age because I never know. I just look at them. I mean, I work with Kay Burley. But I've got no idea how old Kay Burley is. I could probably check it out. And uh, and Stig, I don't know how old he is. I've got no idea. They probably don't know. I'm I'm 39 plus that. And, um, you know, but it doesn't really matter. So if, if, it's only when somebody points it out to you that she's 19 and he's 41. 
And yet if it was the other way round, it'd be Mrs Robinson, wouldn't it, all over again? Sort of older woman seducing a younger man. And that's apparently considered OK. But if you take a deputy head and they say it's rocked the top school, why would it rock the top school? Why would it rock people? I don't quite understand why that would happen. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk um, You mentioned Big Brother, says Vic. Uh, I wanted to tell you the original site where Big Brother's recorded in Boreham Wood was the original site of where they made the famous movie Moby Dick in the 1950s. And I sent you a very old picture of what the set, originally a water tank, would have looked like. I've highlighted that there is the original whale prop made for the p- film. Apologies for the, uh, for the quality. Wow. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I just... I'm always fascinated by films. Always fascinated. Always. When we, when we used to do Secret London with Diane Burstein, she loves going round um, film sets, but places in London where they've made famous films. And at the moment, they're filming, I think, down near Berry Brothers and Rudd. I know that because there's a big wagon down there and they've coned off the whole road. So that comes off just past the Ritz. You do a right down there... And I should imagine they'll probably block the road off. They're either filming inside there or somewhere along there. And that I find interesting. Always amazed how many people turn up for these things. They were doing filming the other week for Downton Abbey down in the Mall, And there must have been about 30 or 40 lorries. I'm going to sneeze again. And uh, <coughs> Thank you. And <laughs> pathetic, isn't it, really, honestly? I don't know why I'm sneezing. I'm not hay feverish. I saw a friend of mine the other day, Steve. And he gets really bad hay. He was sitting there. His eyes were all red and... Str- I said, what's the matter? He said, hay fever. I said, have you taken your Pyroton? He went, no. I said, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, I mean, it's, they are very good Pyroton. They do make you a bit drowsy. Oh, I thought they made me a bit drowsy. I don't suffer from hay fever. I just take them to feel, you know, a, a kinship with other people who suffer with, with hay fever. Uh, still to come, Pippa laying bare her bottom beauty secret. Apparently she rubs chamois cream into it. I think that's too much information. And uh, it's an emollient. I bought some cream the other day. They said it was used by the Egyptian pharaohs. And they said it's, it's a good cream. For it. So I bought it. Because I thought, if it's good enough for the pharaohs... And then I thought, I've seen pictures of the pharaohs. They look a bit emaciated when they dig them up from the ground. I've decided I don't want to look like that. So I've kind of... I've got it in the bathroom, but I'm being a bit wary about using it. Loads more to come on your Sunday early morning breakfast with Steve Allen. We'll keep going through the papers. We're still missing the mirror and the, uh, and the people today. We're still missing those. Nobody's turned up with them as yet. Heads will roll. And uh, all the top stories you don't have to, including the poll that's revealed two in three British adults think the role of fathers is undervalued, because it's dad's day. Tony Blair's renewing a call for military action in Iraq. A survey says Prince William appears more popular than the Queen. And also found that Boris Johnson was the most popular politician. Wow, interesting. We'll keep weaving in all your texts, tweets and emails. 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk Because this is LBC. I am Steve Allen. And that and more is next. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning, five past seven, Father's Day. If you've got a car, perhaps you better do a phone call or something like that. Or send a Twitter or a tweet or send a, just send a, an e-card, which is easier. We go through the uh, front pages of the papers. We're still missing the mirror. And the people, I don't know where they've gone to this morning, have been pulped or something. And uh, Rick Mail, that 2010 World Cup song, could chart in the top five later. Britain's physio is to return home after injuring himself during the World Cup defeat to Italy. Only one more go at it. I knew we wouldn't win against Italy. I just think they're a very strong side. He says, speaking about something he knows nothing about at all. So we'll have to wait until we play, I don't know, whoever it is, next time round. It's LBC. It's all between now and eight. And I bought the oddest book this week. I bought the oddest book. It's the first time I've ever been 
tempted to buy a book that, to be honest with you, is, 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 is a bit weighty. It's a weighty book, this. I saw it reviewed in, I think, the Metro, proving that we're all fascinated. Now, I'm fascinated in particular by things underground. Anything that's underground. I've Tunnels, secret tunnels, secret rooms, secret... Hide- I'm interested in anything like that. So I've got loads of books at home on bunkers and uh, secret wartime places, which are all bricked up now, but in- then they've taken the cameras in. And there's a group of people in this country who go round and they're as fascinated as I am, and they take pictures inside hidden tunnels. The one I've always wanted to go to is up in, I think it's Yorkshire. And it's, it was a very rich man who had a, a, lovely, um, a lovely big mansion house. But he had an aversion to meeting people. And so under the house, he had built a tunnel. And the tunnel went from under the house all the way to the edge of his property. And it was wide enough to take a horse and carriage or horses and carriages. And this tunnel has always fascinated me. And it went from underneath the house, so he could go downstairs into the tunnel, and there was the horse and carriage waiting, and then he could go all the way on his property without being seen by anybody and just emerge at the other end. And the tunnel is still there. The tunnel exists because during the war they used it for evacuating soldiers. And I've always wanted to go there. So I'm reading about this book the other day. This was about tunnels under Exeter. And I thought, oh, Exeter, that sounds quite interesting. <laughs> Little realising. And what it is, it's the aqueducts. The Underground Passages of Exeter by Mark Stoyle. Uh, Mike um, is an archaeologist and he's done all sorts of books. You know I'm fascinated by these sort of things. Anyway, so I buy this book. It's not cheap. But then it's arrived today and it's, it's a beautiful book. It's about £40. And, and so I'm looking through it. There's tons and tons of writing in here. I mean, there's so much writing. But also, you've got him going underground under a 14th century cathedral... And you've got all these tunnels and passages and secret... Pl- I mean, it just looks fascinating to me. But, I mean, it's, I need to take this on holiday and read it. I'm never going to get through it, but it's, it's, this, it's a labour of love. It's absolutely the most amazing book, and it's got all sorts of stuff in it. If you like this kind of book, it's, it's absolutely incredible. You know, it, it is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So I'm going to wander through this one a bit later. So it's, it's just called... Uh, Water in the City, the Aqueducts and Underground Passages of Exeter. So that's my required reading a little bit later on, which is quite sweet. Talking of, uh, of required reading, there's a piece in the mail today. It says, if you're reading this, I must be dead. The Dignitas suicide diary that shames the NHS. Husband's fury as life-saving office scrapped despite appealing to Jeremy Hunt. Police told him to make a video at the death clinic to avoid criminal charges. In her own searing words, Erica records her dying moments... I asked for the drugs that would end my life. No more pain tonight, love, says Pete. I love you, I said. And then she drifted away. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story. We have this, this uh, dilemma, don't we, of somebody who has got to the, sometimes not even the end of their life, but there is nothing else that can be done for them. And they, they sort of, they don't want to suffer anymore. And they're prepared. Erica uh, fell very ill. She's a, she's a British woman. Uh, she doesn't suffer from a terminal illness, or she didn't suffer from a terminal illness. She went to this Swiss clinic of Dignitas to die after suffering two years of indescribable agony triggered by a stroke. Four months earlier, she'd written to the health secretary, Jeremy Hunt, pleading with him to fund a £45,000 brain operation. I am losing the will to carry on. The pain is worse and my life is a living hell spent in bed. I beg you to help me. She got no reply. 
She got nothing. They couldn't even be bothered to reply. She was told by frustrated surgeons that her case was not considered exceptional enough for NHS funding. Dozens of other British patients with the condition have been left suicidal since being turned down for the same surgery, and at least one other patient has killed herself. Uh, Mr Finch was questioned by police on his return to Britain. No charges have been brought against him. I mean, having been turned down, she said she was prepared to die at Dignitas than live on in agony for another few months after the operation was delayed. Having been turned down by the NHS, she was forced to pay to have the operation privately, only for the neurosurgeon who was due to perform the operation to break his wrist delaying it. And she decided that in that period it had just got too much for her. Absolutely too much. Um, She kept this diary. It's incredibly sad. It's incredibly sad. It's not, you know, these decisions are not taken lightly by these people. And so that's why, I mean, assisted suicide is illegal, but the law is is not in force. This is under the Suicide Act 1961. It carries a 14-year jail sentence. But, you know, as far as I know so far, they haven't actually enforced it. Because these people are at the end of their tether, what do you do? You have to put yourself in the in the similar situation. This woman was going through so much pain and so much agony. She wanted to take the drugs that would end her life. It's as simple as that. She didn't want to, to be around anymore. And it's very interesting. Uh, there's a, a comment by Baroness Elora Finlay, Professor of Palliative Medicine, who says, first and foremost, it's tragic that our NHS deny treatment for central post-stroke pain has suffered by Erica. The message this sends out that your life is not of value anymore, you no longer matter. Resources are finite, but as a society, we have a duty to care for our citizens. I tell you what, though, if you're looking at this in the simplistic form, if we stopped all these ambulance planes coming in with people who chuck away their passport and check in for thousands and thousands of pounds worth of surgery because they've learned how to cheat the NHS system, people like Erica would be alive today. But they're not. We continue to have to put up with this, these people who scavenge the NHS, people who thieve from the NHS, people who pretend they've got illnesses, people who turn up on planes and then book themselves in for heart surgery. You know, if we started checking that a little bit more carefully and started saying, I'm terribly sorry, no, we're looking after somebody who's got some brain injury here and we want to try and prolong her life, not just somebody who's giving birth to her. There was some woman who came over just to give birth to children on the NHS because she wasn't getting anything in her own country and worked out that it was so much easier over here to cheat the system. They just turn up and we have a duty of care. Managed to find lawyers now. Managed to find lawyers to help people out. It's a very sad story. It's in the uh, the mail today. Talking of sad stories, oh, here we are going to the Firehouse, the Marylebone restaurant that they all go to. Yes, any old celebrity, or as I say, the Beckhams have been. Not that I think Davy Boy Beckham knows anything about classy food. I think he's probably just a plain egg and chips, fish and chips, ham and chips, beef burger and chips, ham, chips and beans, chips, ham, beans, egg. And so it goes on. And Cheryl Cole goes there because once you get a celebrity restaurant, they've all got to be seen in it. They don't know why they're there. They just know they've got to be seen in it. My, uh, my advice to celebrity restaurants, you know, those who come on the scene very quickly tend to disappear on the scene very quickly. Because what they tend to forget is that the, the genuine customers who might live around there who want to go out and eat twice a week, as opposed to some celebrity who's going there for a photo opportunity, I'm afraid is, is short-sighted, to say the least. So once the celebrities stop going because there'll be another celebrity restaurant... I mean, how many times do you see people photographed going into the Ivy now? The Ivy have realised that, you know, even though they're known as a celebrity restaurant like Joe Allen's, people don't want to be photographed. It's only certain people like Cheryl Cole and the Beckhams and people like that who let it be known where they're going out. So who goes out the other night to eat? None other than Cressida Bonus. 
with her new best friend in the whole wide world, Princess Eugenie. I mean, so presumably if you're an A-list, you can get in there. The rest of you peasants, no chance. No chance of getting in. I mean, you might have to sort of backhand somebody to get in there. But at the moment, I'm afraid it's only people like Michael McIntyre can get in. I mean, I can't imagine how dull a whole restaurant just full of celebrities would be. Did you think they all sit there going, oh, it's Michael McIntyre. Oh, look, it's Eugenie. Oh, look, Cheryl... Oh, my God, it's Cheryl Cole. Eating out of a plastic polystyrene box. I don't understand celebrity restaurants, even though I do go to a few celebrity restaurants. But, you know, what they have to do is they have to... They have to think and be a little bit more... More sort of visionary. More visionary, I think. Uh, what's this? The Queen's Castle. This is the Castle of, of May. It's become the first royal residence touted out to paying guests at a royal price. How much for a weekend are they charging for what was the, uh, the Queen Mother's Castle of uh, May? In her 1986 Christmas card, she was pictured sitting there with those ghastly corgis. Ghastly corgis. And uh, they've got all that. You're not allowed in the Queen Mum's bed. Uh, presumably they will show you. It's not, it's not the greatest of houses. I never thought it was the greatest of houses. I never think tartan carpeted main entrances look very good with lots of knickknacks all over the place. But how much are they asking for this um, for this little bijou residence for a weekend? This is wait for it, fifty thousand pounds for a weekend, which is great because a lot of people can afford that. There are certain people like like Branson. You know, Richard Branson has got uh, Necker Island, where I think it's about fifty thousand pounds a week in there, rising upwards. But then there are lots of people in the world who can afford that. For them, that would be nothing at all. Me, weekend in Bridlington, you know, and I should be spreading that payment over a, over a couple of credit cards. So much easier. Quarter past seven. Ferrari, the team, back with you tomorrow. Actually, I was looking through Country Life, and they had a list of all the important people. In fact, actually, um, Paulie, can you get that uh, list? There was a list that was published in Country Life this week, and it's important men. And, and I can't remember... Yes, I think it, yes, Country Life, Important Men, and Boris was on the list. There's also some, some very other strange people on there. I'll, I'll run through it, because it's got, you know, people on there who are, who are uh, gen- that's right, gentlemen. Is it gentlemanly, or perhaps it, a gentleman, top gentleman? I can't remember. We found another house, incidentally, for you to rent, just in case you are a billionaire listening, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, could I rent something in London for £50,000? The answer is yes, you can. Yes, you can. We found a penthouse in Knightsbridge, £50,000 a week. Uh, but it does have six terraces and it's got six bedrooms, all with ensuite bathrooms, as if that was a selling point. And it's got lo- the roof terraces are really lovely, really lovely. And you get the guards going past the front door. So it's quite a quite a smooth block of flats. And it looks looks pretty furnished. Which would you rather stay in Knightsbridge or would you uh, would you rather stay in the Queen Mother's Castle of, of May? I don't know. I don't know. One's 50,000 for the weekend. Because they're, they're appealing to the upmarket things, aren't they? And yet I always thought the Queen Mother was common as anything. That's the whole idea. She wouldn't have liked terribly... Oh, no, wait a minute, she did. She was the only woman who managed to weave the word Queen in twice. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen's mother. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen's mother. Um, there is also a very interesting piece by Liz Jones in the Mail today. And the, the piece is talking about Angelina Jolie and the... Uh, the, the brouhaha and the and the brown nosing by Haig and everybody else because he's obviously impressed by Hollywood stars and it's very interesting. I mean, she's a a mum and an actress, writes Liz Jones, and she's been um, doing all sorts of things. We saw Diana tiptoeing through a minefield and thought how brave, but shouldn't we have been examining? exclaiming, sorry, over limbless Cambodian children instead, images which these days would never make it onto the front page. 
And how can Jolie, who is a mum and an actress, and is also busy promoting her latest film, Maleficent, in China, if she really believes in human rights, shouldn't she bar the film from going to China? Have you seen their human rights? Or would that be just too much income disappearing? I suspect so. And it's all these people here who go out. You know, very good. She's been made a dame at the London Summit on ending sexual violence in conflict. And uh, Liz said it made me want to hurl. She's offering up her time, of course. She's plucked enough infants from poverty. And now, she says, I've come to believe that varnishing a serious issue with a movie star's concerns belittles it, trivialises it, and takes the focus off the victims. In other words, you know, should she have not said, listen, I'm doing this because I believe in it. I do not want to accept that damehood. What an insult. What an insult. What, you think I'm doing this for reward? No. And that's why it's, it's so wrong. You know, so she's promoting the film in China where their human rights issues are absolutely appalling. But, of course, will she not do that? No, she won't. She won't. Uh, looking at the, um, at the Country Life Gentleman of the Year Award, it's quite a good idea, actually. Uh, number one, well, actually, I'll tell you what, I'll do it in reverse order. These are people who, who apparently sort of... Um, have influenced us in some way or another. So, at number 21, for example, Ricky Wilson. Ricky who? I know he's in the Kaiser Chiefs, but, I mean, he doesn't influence my life. Hey, judge on the... Vo- who's watching The Voice? The three cameramen working on it and about 500 backstage people. He's not an influence. Dan Snow, the presenter. An action man totally without ego. Yeah, yeah. But I think, of course, it helped have... No, you don't like him. Oh, they don't... You don't like him. Oh, I think he's quite good. I think he's, he's, he's known as... as t- I, bet, I bet Kay Burley likes Dan Snow. I bet she definitely liked Dan Snow. That'd be her... <laughs> See, Stephen Gerrard. Why Stephen Gerrard? England's redoubtable captain gives pep talks that command serious respect. <laughs> Michael Palin at number 16, yes. Michael Palin, yes. I mean, I, I would take Michael Palin on board any time. Uh, somebody called Evan Davis, a journalist, a model of courtesy, tenacious in pursuit of the facts, but never... Com- combative for the sake of it. Ranulph Fiennes, Explorer. But, I mean, I don't think that covers it, Explorer. But, I mean, it's very very laudable. Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, as Sherlock Holmes, a bit of a grumpy guts, but in real life he's charming and holds his fans in high regards. I mean, this year he took his mum to the Chelsea Flower Show, so that's good. Grayson Perry, this is the one who dresses up as the woman all the time. How's he influence? How's he influence people? Who else have we got here? Boris Johnson is at number nine. Boris Johnson in there. A gentleman knows when to apologise. A few people in the public eye have mastered the art of the uh, mayor culpa. Nobody's done it like Boris. We suspect he might be able to shed some light on the whole elbows issue for readers who remain perplexed by the logistics too. After all, being a gentleman is nothing if not a balancing act. Uh, Mo Farah at number eight. A bit bored with Mo Farah and doing that thing above his head. Couldn't care less, actually. Um, Paul O'Grady at number seven. Paul O'Grady is above Boris Johnson. Now, having known Paul for ages and ages, and uh, they say he is a veritable Dr. Doolittle, he's also a joy to work with, he can be. <laughs> he's very tough at times, let me tell you. Bradley Wiggins, the cyclist. It's good, isn't it? Bradley Wiggins, the cyclist. That's somebody who's sort of fairly influential. David Miliband, president of the International Rescue Committee. Makes him sound like Thunderbirds ago, doesn't it, really? Number four, the actor Jim Carter is an influence. Number two, Sir David... Ad- Sorry, number three is Sir David Attenborough. I mean, you know, he's David Attenborough. He's absolutely perfection. Uh, number two, David Beckham. Oh, yawn, 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 I'm afraid. Yes, uh, but old, uh, old Dave 
uh, out there. Unfortunately, a picture in the paper today looking as miserable as sin. Mind you, with the wife. I suppose it's enough to drag anybody down on a Sunday. And, uh, and the man who is number one, an anchor in every sense of the world, the gentleman of the year. He holds the nation steady when the waters get choppy, raises the tone of any event he's affiliated with. Um, he's, he just, he's good. He's good. And he is David Dimbleby. David Dimbleby's got that, that, that kind of appeal to everybody. He can do a documentary about the country and we can all revel in how fantastic it is. And then he can do question time and he can do all sorts of other things. And other people go, oh, I'd like to do that. And you think, no, it's, you, you don't learn what he does. He just is that good. Some people are naturally good, and he's one of those who I think is naturally good. So when they did this this list of all these people, uh, I was quite pleased to see him at number one. In fact, I was very pleased to see him at number one. And uh, if that cream was used by the ancient Egyptians, Steve, I'd check the use-by date. What do you, I don't like to think about it. All I keep thinking of is when they sort of dig these poor old ancient Egyptians up. And, uh, and that's not very exciting, is it? Oh, I've lost my blooming things now. Oh, dear, honestly. Sometimes I sit here and I lose everything. I'm now lost... Wait a minute, what have I lost here? I've lost everything. Paulie, can you find the, um, the um, uh, texts and the emails? I've lost them again. I, just, I pushed the wrong button, I'll push it twice, and immediately my screen goes grey before me. Um, other one here. Uh, <laughs> a large herd of cyclists have just gone past my flat, Steve. Obviously they think there's no cars on the road this morning. Yes, yes. Can you ask Steve to read The Bricklayer's Lament, as read by Jared Hoffnung at the Oxford Union? My father's got that album. I uh, I had that album, the uh, yes the all the way up. He met the barrel of bricks coming down, and when he got to the bottom, the barrel of bricks spilt out, thus meaning that the barrel was now lighter than myself, and so it went on. It's a very good one actually, but it's copyrighted. Uh, Connie says, "Great to have an in conversation with Don Johnson." Can you ask him if he wants to go back to his singing career? He's a very good singer, really. Wow, I don't know. He well, yes, he's actually coming in, coming in this week. Um... Is it true everything's getting smaller while prices steadily increase, Steve? Fredo Fog Frog chocolates used to be threepence in 1973 in West London. Curly Whirlies were threepence. The Jamboree bags were a penny each. Um, when this lovely lady had been a beautiful, little but perfectly formed English three-year-old in 1967. And then uh, Margaret says, does anybody else feel the same as I do? I hate football, but last night our team couldn't even sing the national anthem. Well, too drunk. Too, too drunk, I should imagine. Um... Another one here. I did see, actually, Yes yes, Minister. They stand up for... I've got all the box sets, but they showed one on the television. And they also showed one of my favourite films, Schindler's List, which is brilliant. Joe says, uh, holy moly. I think that's a, an expression from somewhere. It's the first time I've tuned into your show, and I've got to say, it's a relief to hear someone telling the truth about all these soul lowlifes who are being allowed airtime. Yeah, well, you weren't referring, I hope, to... Uh, to Angelina Jolie. I just don't understand why we give somebody a damehood. She's not British. She's doing something that I should have seen the signs, shouldn't I? Should have seen the signs when she's dragged out by William Hague, who reveled in the pictures. It was almost embarrassing. It was like the cat who got the cream. And then we end up giving her a damehood. Goodness sake. I mean, Maggie Smith has given a lifetime of acting. Whereas Angelina Jolie, I mean, I'm not particularly bothered about her acting ability at all. Coming up, pets cause a staggering, wait for this one, £872 million worth of damage to our homes every year. £872 million. Quick time check. It's 7.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 8 is the time. Rob is a big fan of the show. He says, have you checked out the secret bunker in Scotland? I haven't, but I'm always willing to try that. Uh, very kindly, Sanjay, 
sent me in a picture of the naked bike ride in, uh, in London yesterday. Provided much amusement for everybody in the building. Well, especially in here. We're trying to keep it away from Kay Burley. He'll be along at uh, 8 o'clock this morning with Stig Abel. Actually, one of those did look a bit like Stig Abel from the back. You notice that? Perhaps he's secretly cycling. And, uh, you know, sending us in a picture from the back is really not the most exciting thing I've ever seen. But this is in... Um, oh, this is in um, Trafalgar Square, isn't it? Yesterday. Must have been a bit of a shock, isn't it? Did the police not stop them? Or are, they, are, there, are there too many of them to arrest so the police don't bother arresting? Is this not classed as indecent exposure? If you're out there with sort of the kids... And you're sort of walking along and all of a sudden 300 bicycles go past with naked people on there. I mean, you just have to go, oh, look at oh, look, the lions and the fountains and make everybody turn round so they don't have to look at the offending articles. Because I would have thought that somebody could have complained about it. Are you naked? Have you ever cycled naked? No. See, I have. I did it. I did it in uh, Vienna years ago because down by the banks of the Danube... Oh, here we go. Confession time. Um, I, um, we rented... It was a very hot summer. So we rented cycles, and you can cycle naked up and down the side of the Blue Danube. And, and there's loads of people go down there. It's, it's like, a, you know, it's just sort of a day. So we did cycle... I have to tell you, saddles are not the most comfortable thing. They're really not. We nearly, we nearly lost it on three occasions. It was a little bit of a worry. And uh, very bumpy. Every time we went over a bump, God, you felt it. Oh, dear, did you ever feel it? It was, well, I did. And uh, so I went round again just to make sure I really enjoyed it. And it was fantastic. So I did the nude cycle. I wouldn't cycle through the middle of London naked, though. I don't know how you could ever do that. I really don't know how that would, uh, how that would ever happen. Uh, what do we have in here? There was something. Now, why did I save this? I saved it. Sometimes I save little bits and pieces from the papers, and I can't remember looking back on them exactly uh, what I've saved them for. Apparently... Oh, here we go. This is uh, Linda Barker. The super slim TV star has shared her secret formula. Uh, You may or may not like it. All women could look like me at 52 if they laid off the fat and showed some self-control. Now, apparently, the Duchess of Cambridge also goes on these I-don't-eat-very-much-food. There is obviously a lot of pressure for people to be slim. I mean, I can't imagine Victoria Beckham going out and having a portion of chips. Can you? No. Davy Boy, of course, would do. He'd go out and have some jelly deals, and uh, which he generally does with, with a photographer. And so we could see a picture of me eating jelly deals. But I shouldn't imagine... If, if you watch what Victoria eats at home, I should imagine it would be minimal. I can't... I've never seen her scoffing a hot dog. Have you ever seen her eating a hot dog? No. Ever seen her eating a bar of chocolate? No. Ever seen her... Ever seen her eating? <laughs> she doesn't eat, does she? I've never seen her licking a 99... You know, and that would be that would be a photo to treasure, ladies and gentlemen. Victoria Beckham, lick it, or a Zoom, or a Mivi, or anything. I just I just want the woman to eat, but she is thin. When you see her in the flesh, I say flesh. There's not really much on it. I've seen I've seen more excitement on a pencil. So I mean, she's she's thin. She's very very thin. Linda Barker was very very thin. I talked to a lot of celebrities, and some of them are so thin. And you think, what do you eat? What do you eat? I mean, they just don't seem to eat anything at all. Whereas me, I mean, I went out on Saturday and I had a craving. And I'm sorry to tell you that I, I broke with all tradition. I had a sausage and batter. Uh, because I like a sausage and batter occasionally. I don't know why. It must be a childhood thing. I'm the only person, nobody else in my family likes sausages and batter. I'm the only one that likes sausage. Or failing that, a spam fritter. A spam fritter. I mean, that is just, that is just food from the gods. Unfortunately, you cannot, you cannot eat it all the time. Some people do, and they end up being hefty hideaway people. But you can't eat it all the time. I look at Mary Berry, 
and she cooks I mean, delicious things. I just, just, I, I could sit and watch Mary Berry all day because she's, she's, you know, like your mum. She knew how, how to cook. And she doesn't seem to put on weight either. And yet other people I've seen before, I think we're all, every single person is, is different. I think some people, it affects you differently. So you can, so you eat something and on your body, it's, it absolutely turns into fat. On anybody else's body, they just seem to, uh, to use it up very quickly. More of your texts and emails. Let's try and get through as many as we can. Um, another one here. Little corner for Steve. Yes, that was Steve Allen with a little... What? <laughs> they haven't seen me with hair before now. It's slightly worrying, isn't it? Slightly worrying. I know. That was in... Um, Yes, I can't remember where that was taken, though, which which building we were in at the time. Yeah, I thought that was a fairly good picture. Uh, yes, I have still got the ring, yes. How kind of you to notice. Uh, so thank you, Patrick, very much indeed. Yes, it's, it's funny when, when people send in pictures that they've taken over the years of us, which is good. Uh, thank you to Mark for sending in the pictures of all the ducks, which is lovely. Pat, on the subject of the... Uh, the honour system says, I'm with you, re-Angelina Jolie, but if they can knight Mick Jagger, they can give it to anybody. What has he ever done except look after himself? The system stinks. Yes, I mean, I suppose they give it to somebody for longevity. So they go, let's give it to Mick Jagger, but what has he actually done? So he's been a singer in a band and he's married a few beautiful women. What, is it longevity you get it for nowadays? I'm assuming it must be. Um, a lot of people... Uh, says Jan in South Norwood. She says, um, after listening to talking about the Euro lottery last week, I bought five tickets at £10 and I won £9. Yeah, it's kind of a pound down on the deal, which is better than most people. And uh, Stuart, Karina and Nina, my son, daughter-in-law and niece, were cycling from London to Brighton today in my sister Julia's memory for ovarian cancer action. Raised £500 already, which is good. Loving your Big Brother updates. Oh, it's so awful. So awful. I wish it wasn't so dreadful, actually. Uh, 84850. Uh, Agustin, thank you very much indeed for the picture. I love when people send pictures in. It's very nice, actually. Uh, Do you watch Game of Thrones, says Samantha Evangelista. Now, there's a name to conjure with. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Never, ever, I'm afraid. I've just seen the new Paddington Bear movie. My brother phoned me about this yesterday and said, are you excited? I said, why? He said, the Paddington Bear movie. I said, it doesn't look like Paddington Bear. And he said, oh, well, I've seen the pictures... I mean, it, the bear is all wrong. The bear is completely wrong. Paddington Bear is... I mean, if he's aged, then he should have a beard by now. But what they've done is they've given him legs which are too thin. Paddington is a little tubby child bear. He doesn't age, he doesn't grow up or anything. And the pictures of him standing in front of Buckingham Palace make him look like the meerkat. It's the wrong face. It's just all wrong. I'm sorry, I speak as a Michael Bond fan and somebody who's interviewed Michael Bond and Paddington's very precious to him. I feel like, you know, the Mary Poppins thing. Don't take my character and change her. Don't do this. And exactly the same for Paddington Bear. It's due for release Christmas. But, I mean, he looks like he's been on a diet. And, of course, Paddington, he's a little short squat thing with little short stumpy legs. This time they've given him legs that make him look like he's a bluebell girl. It's not right at all. Not right at all. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You and and everybody else says, Robert, would understand why Angelina has been given this award if you'd attended the ending sexual violence in conflict at Excel. Shocking reality, which most people clearly know nothing about. We don't give them awards for it, Robert. Don't give somebody an award for doing something. You know, and let's face it, if she's concerned about human rights, as I pointed out earlier to you, you know, why is she promoting her film in China? The worst human rights records on uh, on record. 
So, uh, that's why. We rest our cat. You don't need to give it to her. It was a bit of brown nosing by William Hague to get some photos for his Christmas album, I should imagine. Jackie's in Paddock Woods, which is lovely this morning. Everybody very happy. And, uh, and Jeannie says, on Friday I went to South End, went to the bank to get some money from the cash machine. The bank, large glass front, long line of cash machines, full view. And uh, I'm at the cash machine when I realise a very tall girl at the side of me is videoing my actions on a mobile. When I turned around, she stuck the phone to her ear and pretended to be using the phone. I have to be very careful. But anyway, uh, she said, I had a feeling that when I left the bank, her accomplice was going to snatch my bag. I walked very fast towards the seafront, then suddenly felt a rather large guy on a bike at my side. Too close, may I add. I turned very quickly and shouted right into his face. The bike wobbled and he nearly fell off. Yeah, don't mess with one of Steve's old gals. Yes, I tell you what, a, a knee in the nether regions, Jeannie, works every time. The old trick is as well. Oh, sorry, you dropped this fiver? Told you, my, my producer at the time just said, uh, yeah, put a foot on it. Took the money out of the machine and picked up that it was a tenner. Got the tenner as well. Good. Let's teach these people, you know, don't mess with us, I tell you. Uh, I come from Exeter and I've been in the underground passages, says Peter, a few times. They were roughly an eight shape. One tunnel to the cathedral, the other to the guild hall. This bricked up sadly. Parts have been lost because of World War Two and building. Now they're protected. The stonework varies depending on when it was done, reputed to be haunted. And my guide once said, Gary, he'd been twice hit in the chest by some force. <sighs> I don't believe any of the haunting stuff. i tell you what's even worse, watching that ghastly creature, Yvette Fielding. Ooh, ooh, film in the light, dear. Film in the light, when we can see the fraudulent actions you're doing. You know, it's most haunted with Derek Akora. He looks like he's been haunted, doesn't he? Certainly looks like he's been dug up from some cemetery. That programme is so much rubbish. It really does my head in. It really does. Awful. Ooh, I like the look of this. Oh, it's lovely. This is, uh, oh dear, this is a, it's a conflict. A conflict. It's been in the same family for 400 years, but now scheming siblings in a doomsday book Hamlet are putting the feud into feudal. Oh dear. You see, I, w- I would want to live in a little village. It looks like Midsummer Murders. And this vicious family are tearing apart England's most perfect village. We're all desperately sad it's come to this. There are stresses and strains in any family, but wherever there's money, that's where you get the animosity going on. Dreadful, isn't it? Coming up, 70% of the country's booze is necked by just a fifth of the population. It's quarter to eight. Valerie is in Italy, and she's just sent me... I think she lives there, and she just sent me a picture. She said, I'm a a regular listener, and she's got the most fantastic view. She obviously likes cats as well. I like the view. I'm very... We don't have a view like that in London. Well, I don't from here. Christine's in Dublin. How are you? She says, nice to hear you on a Sunday morning. Uh, Philip says... uh, you were listing David Beckham's food choice. You forgot his pie and mash. Did he open his own shop? No, but there was talk a little while ago of David Beckham opening up a chain of restaurants, I think called Dave's or something. Whatever it was, sounded a bit bizarre. And I, I wasn't totally convinced that he was going to do it. But they're pictured in the paper today looking as miserable as sin, both of them. I don't know why. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, um, I've noticed over the past few weeks that you and Kay flirt like... Cri- Good, will you stop it? Goodness sake, we're not flirting, we're just linking into the programme. I don't flirting, it doesn't, come, it doesn't even come into flirting. It's a bit bitter and jealous. Uh, two people lis- uh, n- sort of missing from the list. Katie Price, OBE, for services to men. She was in the, she was very rude in OK magazine this week, Katie Price, very rude, uh, about um, this woman who had the fling with her husband. Very rude about it. Never mention the husband, though, because it takes two to tango. Does it not, Kay Burley? 
Yes, it does. Good Thank morning. You. Good morning, sweetie. You all right? Yeah. Good, You're going to love your present today. I, d- I, d- I nearly didn't know what to get you this week. I left the jewellery at home, so I'm afraid we have to, have to go back, because I know it's always appreciated. <gasps> love shortbreads. Love shortbreads. Because I was in Scotland this week. Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, I thought that's what. You... Have you? Uh, <laughs> no, I have not. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Nice. Lovely nice. shortbread fingers. Yes. <laughs> My goodness. They cut your own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so Katie Price was very rude about the woman, but yet never mentioned the husband at all. And I thought, come on, you know, it's it's a bit. Silly. Yeah, but she's pregnant. Her hormones are everywhere. Yeah, but she's always pregnant. That's the trouble. I mean, what is this? Child number five? Is it five? I think she just. Likes I don't know. I honestly don't follow her life as well as you do. Well, I hardly mention her at all, as people know on this program. Somebody sent me a picture of Victoria Beckham eating an apple at the wheel of the car. She's actually eating. <laughs> we weren't totally convinced that she eats on this program. I was slightly worried that a lettuce leaf might fill her up. But you could do that, can't you? You can eat. You can eat if you educate your stomach to accept little then you perhaps just get used to eating little all the time, whereas my stomach comes to accept lots. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. It's the way it works. I don't know. Had a good week? I've had a fantastic week, actually, yeah. I really have. Um, struggling with the old hay fever, though. Have you taken something? Have you taken Pyrotol? I take industrial... No, no. No, no, that doesn't even take touch the sides. <laughs> industrial strength stuff from the doctor. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't... I've I always suffered. I for my eyes the other day. Did it's, you? If your eyes get really sore, yeah. my eyes get very sore... Mm-hmm. And uh, you just spray. While your eyes are closed? Yes. Yes, I know. I've got that. Do you want to know about your present? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. sorry, I forgot okay. about that. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, are you on Twitter? Of course you yes, are. Yes, of course, yes. Um, did you read the review uh, by none other than John Myers, who is the chair of the Radio Awards? Yes, I did. did yes, you? I only read it because somebody sent it on to me. Right. Which I thought was, was quite sweet. I well, just you... in case you hadn't, I obviously printed oh, it you out for you well. with a photograph, oh, right. which is nice. And it, for the benefit of our listeners, it basically says that you are the best presenter on LBC. Yeah. So to go with that, I thought... <laughs> there's money. <laughs> no, there's not money, but I got you a fridge magnet. Oh, a little fridge magnet. Yeah. I like a fridge magnet. Oh, let's have a look. Oh, I like a fridge magnet. Anyone can be cool, but awesome takes practice. Super, that's lovely. <laughs> do you like that? I do like fridge. My friend Graham goes round France, and he's got he's got me fridge magnets, which are some little bottle of champagne, oh. a little chair outside a cafe with a glass, and really cute things. I love fridge magnets. I don't that think one's got on a dog them. with glasses on yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, it's the dog. How do you beg your pardon? I thought it was you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Old ones are the best. Uh, yeah. No, it's very. I always like when people sort of. But then you I, don't want this then. Yes, I'll have it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I can read it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I didn't know who he was. I had to ask. John Myers. No, I didn't know. I know that sounds really Get awful, coat. doesn't it? Get my coat, and I'll, I'll leave the room now. But it's but uh, he was the first. He gave my boss mm. James his first job in radio because I said I didn't know who he was. I felt a bit guilty about. I it. I used to work with him thirty odd years ago. Oh, did you? Mm. Well, that's not possible. You're only twenty seven <laughs> in the northwest of England. Really? Yeah, I did. I was um. like, it's, it's always nice when people who haven't heard the program listen. You know, I'm not saying it's, it appeals to absolutely everybody, but nothing most people. <laughs> and because uh, I was sitting next to Stig this week. Did he, he tell you? No, of course he came didn't. in to, for the for the Ragear meeting. No, did he? The trouble is, he takes. Up he's so such much. a teacher's pet. I know he's such a teacher's oh. pet, but he also takes up so much room. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like the seats in the little theatre are quite small, and he's quite big, so I'm, I'm like hemmed into the corner. Oh, because like, he sat next to me because he didn't know anybody else, and I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to suffer with him for the whole meeting, mm-hmm. and I did. And uh, but he, he takes up a load of room there. Typical bloke, isn't he? Like spreading out. Yeah. I was at a wedding yesterday. Lovely. Uh, it was very lovely, actually, at a very... Nice wedding. Uh, nice, nice weather. Yeah. Very posh location. 
mm-hmm. um, Bride and Bride, and it was it was a fantastic event. And lots of people, I thought people would want to talk to me about Sky, but oh no, they wanted to talk to me about our little chat. Really? Yes. <laughs> I was <laughs> and where we get where we get our ideas from for our <laughs> gifts. I said you always get chocolate, and then you've got biscuits yeah, this week, biscuits which is great. This week. Yeah. But it's so funny because you go out and uh, somebody was telling me the other day they got in a taxi. Said and all the, and when they discovered this person in the taxi worked for LBC, that they wanted to know what's Steve Allen like. <laughs> and you think same as anybody else, tall Amazonian, flowing blonde hair. You know, once, once upon once, a time. <laughs> once, yes, many, many years ago, many years ago. Anyway, I came in early because I wanted to ask you about the car. You've not been talking about the car. Yeah, is it in back. the garage it's, again? No, it's back. Okay. It, the, the car is actually back. It's working because I said to him, I don't want to see you for another six months. Although I've got to go back in on Monday because there's a piece underneath, uh, which is like a bit of uh, underhang thing. And it's... it's <laughs> ob- what? Yeah. Is that how you described it? I, I don't know anything technically. It's an underhang thing. Yeah. And it clips on to a clip, obviously, but I can't do it. So I'll have to whiz it into the garage tomorrow. But it makes so much difference when you get the car back. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was Big Brother. I love Big Brother. Well, I hadn't watched it till the other night. Ever? Have you know? Oh, yes, I've seen it oh, before. Okay. okay. And I've got some of the original ones on, on tape when they didn't understand how it worked. Now they learn how it works. It's interesting that Wayne Rooney's friend in there, the, well, I say friend, she just sort of had a little bit of a bit of an incident with money changing hands. Anyway, there's nothing, nothing to do with it. The, the housemates don't know who she is. Right. They don't know. It's in the paper today. And I said... Which one is she? She's, uh, she's Helen Wood. Oh, she's lo- she's, I don't she, like her. She's got horrible manners and horrible language. I mean, to the point of, I sit there thinking, I'm not surprised, I know what you did for a living. You mm. really are foul-mouthed. She's not, she's not the most pleasant. She's not very nice to Danielle, actually, I don't think. I tell think. you who's odd, the black woman in there, who's about yeah. 50. Yeah. She's, she was shouting over somebody the other day, and she's obviously quite forceful. I don't know what she does, but she seems to have a lot of issues with them, and I sort of, I worry about that. Well, she was, she was the boss, wasn't she? She had the power trip to start with. Oh, did she? And they've taken the power away from her now. See, I really do watch this programme. Mm. Um, I who, love who, it. Who do you like? I like Christopher, and I don't like the fact that they're all picking on him. Which one's Christopher? Is Christopher that... is the quiet one who cleans up all the time because nobody oh, right. will talk to him. Is that funny how people... You go in there, you don't know anybody, and all of a sudden people say, I don't like you, I'm not going to talk... Was, I think Helen had said to this other one, listen, while we're in here, do not talk to me. And I thought, it's the Big Brother house. <laughs> they are... It's fascinating to watch as an experiment. I would never do it. I, I couldn't share a bedroom. Have you been asked to? No, of course not. I'm just a little humble radio presenter. But I, I, I wouldn't do it anyway. No matter how much money was on offer, no amount of money. I couldn't sleep in a room with loads of other people. I really could. It's not my sort of thing at all. Mm. But yeah, would you go? No, of course you I've been asked lots of times, but you no. Why would you ever no. want to do it? No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's no. above. It's, you know, I think that means that, you know, you might as well just give up now. <laughs> Definitely not. Listen, uh, that's all I've got time for this morning. I'm back tomorrow morning from four. If you missed any of this programme, you can go to LBC and get the app, lbc.co.uk. It's uh, Padraig's last programme with me. Because he's going. He's, he's going to do a week with James O'Brien and then he goes. As I say, we campaigned to get rid of him for ages. It's only finally just kicked in. So he's finally gone. Hallelujah. His mother will be so thrilled. You'll have to work with that bully boy, Alan, ever again. Uh, coming up at 11, it's Larry Lamb. Right, Steve. Uh, coming up next, he doesn't talk like that at all. He's actually quite posh and cultured. Coming up next, it's Kay Burley and Stig Abel with Sunday Breakfast. All yours.